Merry Christmas. I'm Dan Bardell. Welcome to 1874, the podcast that will bring you the definitive word on Aston Villa Football Club every single week. As ever, I'm joined by Greg Evans, the Aston Villa writer for The Athletic. And Greg, you don't like Christmas, do you? Well, Merry Christmas first, Dan, and Merry okay. Christmas to everybody listening. But um, <laughs> no, I don't. I'm a bit of a screw. I'm shocked by that. I used to love it as a kid, you know. I used to absolutely love it. On Christmas Eve, I used to be... I used to almost be sick because I was that excited about what Santa was going to bring me. Um, but I don't know the last few the last few years, maybe the last five or six years, I've just gone off it a little bit. I think it, I think it might be the workload, you know. No, no. We we all get so much. We, all, we, we it's very busy in football at, at Christmas. So, uh, oh, your boss isn't listening. <laughs> You're basically bl- blaming the athletic for why you don't like Christmas. <laughs> I am sounding like Scrooge here, aren't I? Not, but <laughs> is it a bit like being a professional footballer? At Christmas for you because you obviously got to stick to the same kind of cause the schedule of games like a football obviously you're not playing but still you can't really do the things that I would say normal people but that's not right but perhaps people, a lot of people get time off over Christmas whereas that won't be the case for you yeah I'm also not not getting a Rolex or a Ferrari no, for, no. for my presents either or giving one out so <laughs> I definitely don't feel like a footballer but <laughs> um, as journalists covering football we're, we're obviously following similar schedules as the players yeah because we're previewing the games going to the games reviewing the games so there isn't much time off we, we, we'll obviously get Christmas day off um, but then it's straight back on it for a uh, uh, boxing day fortunately this year Villa's fixtures are quite kind the, been, home, the, the fixture home, has been kind to me this year so I'm, 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 I'm not moaning too much but I won't be going out on New Year's Eve either because it's a it's an early game at, at Burnley <laughs> it really is like being, a, like being a professional football well Greg it's, it's a transfer special today we're going to go through transfers, obviously, with the January transfer window approaching. So today we're going to look at what Villa need, what we actually think they'll get. Will anyone be sold? Anyone be on their way? And we're also going to look back at the summer transfer business as well and try and rank that, look at whether the signings have been a success or not. And as ever, we have the Villa Vault. Now, Greg, when I, when I speak to you, I always think, there's someone that that, know, that knows a lot. I always look at you, a bit of a transfer oracle. I feel, I feel like you know what, what's going on. So I, I'm actually tuning into this podcast kind of myself as well, interested to hear what, what you got to say. Tell everyone what's going to happen with Villa this January. Well, look, it's not. I've got a bit of a boring answer this week, to be honest, because... I mean, you're killing Christmas and now you're killing the transfer window as well. <laughs> Villa aren't going to be that busy in, in January. It's They've got a very careful and considered plan. Okay. That's, that's already in place. I, mean, I do like to hear that. It, yeah, they, they they spent heavily in over the summer, which we're we're well aware of, and there is only a certain amount of money that that clubs can spend purely because of the financial fair play restrictions. Um, Villa's owners are very wealthy. We know that they're they're energised and enthusiastic and engaged, and 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 they want they want to take this club onto the next level. But Villa have to work within the parameters that that are set. Um, so they won't be spending too much money in the in January. Dean Smith does want a striker. He'd ideally like a striker and a winger. Um, at worst, a striker who can also play on the wing. See, I think I think that's what we need. That that would be my answer to it, as not to disrupt the squad too much. Someone who can play on the wing and and play up front. I I think that's ideal. Yeah, I mean, if they, if they could find that guy, then 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 it'd be perfect. But he's currently scouring the the loan market. It, um, led to believe Villa will not be spending big money in January. If they could get a bargain for, you know, I'm, I'm not going to put a, pro, a, a a figure on it, but if they could get a a bargain maybe from abroad, then then th- they might be in a position to do that. But 
I don't think they will be signing any more than than two players. Definitely not. They, they, it will be a maximum of two players coming in 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 January. Possibly only one. Um, and I would be very surprised if they both weren't loans. If they do get two, um, Suso, the the technical director, obviously knows the continent well. He knows yeah. Europe well. He's got very very strong connections in in Spain and Portugal and France. Uh, he knows those leagues well. Christian Perslow can obviously speak all those languages as well. So, if it comes to okay. negotiating, he will be he will be over there doing doing the deals with Suso, um, and 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 any signing that does come in will will obviously have Dean Smith's blessing as well. So, I I would I would think that Villa will go for a striker from from Europe, maybe Spain or I was France. I say you've talked about La Liga before, haven't you? People yeah. being out there, yeah, and and they, I think that's where they they'll be able to get a loan from. I just I can't see them being able to get a player that will improve them on loan from England, and they haven't got the money to. Well, they have got the money, but they they are they're not going to be spending the money on the players that that interest them at the moment. I know Brentford side Ben Rama is a player that Dean Smith is very very keen on. He yeah. likes him. He tried to get him in the summer, but Brentford wanted twenty million pound for him. Villa weren't prepared to pay that. Um, Brentford won't be adjusting their their value of him in in January they certainly won't be allowing him to go out on loan because they want to get promoted themselves um so that might be one that that Dean Smith will look at and Villa will look at in the summer um I just think that they'll take the time with it okay we're going to discuss this more in detail and 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 I firmly believe that Villa really do need a striker because it, it could be the difference between them staying up or going down but they've spent a lot of money in in the summer they can't spend too much more in January and they want to be make sure that if they can just get through this next transfer period, they could then go really big in the summer. See, I thought in in the summer window, with one or two short here, I, I think we were probably looking at, at one or two players in in the, in the summer just before the window closed, and, and and they didn't come in. So what you're saying marries up with that in that in that that's what they're going to be looking at in January. The bit that bothers me is that you, you're saying that they, they don't want don't want to spend money, but. I think we need someone a, a bit proven, someone that's done it in England, someone that's done it in the Premier League. We've, we've spent a lot of money on people that aren't Premier League proven and whilst I think a lot of them are going to turn into good, good boys in the future and they're going to really get going, have perhaps haven't hit the ground running, so to speak. For me, we've signed Tom Heaton as a goalkeeper because we wanted a bit of experience, that experienced head in there, a, a leader in goal. But yeah, we haven't really done that across the rest of the pitch. Do you not think that's what's, what we need in January? Well, I mean, you say that though they've spent they've spent a lot of money. No, 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 I'm not knocking the amount the amount spent. What what I'm saying is they bought heating in for a particular reason. So you'd think, don't we don't we need someone in the in the front three that that, that meets those qualities as well? I agree with you to an extent. I ju- uh, look, if Philip could go and sign a, a, a proven goal scorer for twenty million pound, you know, for example, if Neil Morpai was available yeah. now for twenty million pound, you'd go and get him if they could they would but there's only a certain amount of money they can spend because of the financial fair play restrictions there's only a certain amount of money Villa can lose um okay they've been promoted and the revenue streams are are increasing all the time but they were very close to the limit in the championship on on financial fair play and it's a three-year rolling period um so they can only lose a certain amount of money every every season and I just think that they put all their eggs in one basket in the summer signed the players that they really wanted to sign and then they're just January is just such a difficult market yeah, it's notoriously it? It, it, bad it, it's isn't it it's just such a difficult market because that's why that's why they're trying to get a loan 
you know, if if you look at the last January, the 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 um the signings were brilliant. They they signed Courtney Hawes and, and Tyra Mings, yeah. both on loan with a view to a permanent deal. Now if they do that this season, they get one striker in with a potential to sign him in the summer. You think how beneficial that could be if it doesn't work out for any reason you don't sign him. If it does work out then great. You haven't spent spent any money. You're still working in the parameters that have been set. Yeah. And You've then you then go and sign him in the summer. Plus, you're not developing someone else's player. But do you not think it's easier being in the championship to get that player initially on loan and, and check him out? Perhaps someone who's not in the team in the Premier League, because we now need Premier League class. It's a kind of a different landscape. I, I think that's more difficult to do to, to go and get someone who who on loan who's who's going to do it straight away in the Premier League. I think that's a big ask. I, I like what you're saying about, about last season because it's true about Mings and Hawes. But I just think in the Premier League, you're not going to be able to do that. It's difficult, yeah, isn't it? I mean, you look at Wolves, for example, last year. They tried to get Tammy Abraham, didn't they? He nearly in, did. You know, they, they very, very nearly got him. Um, and, and look how difficult it was for them. You know, that They were a team that were 6th s- and 7th in the league for the majority of last season. Um, and they wanted to go on to that next level. And, and that, they couldn't get that striker that in January. Villa are going to have the same scenario. Um, I think that they will get a little bit of joy in the European market. Um I know, I know what you're saying about getting that proven striker in, but to get a proven striker now, you, you've got to spend in excess of twenty million. If you're looking at say an Ollie Watkins, who who's, he's who, someone who I like. Yeah, if you're looking at him, for example, who Dean Smith will know him obviously because he signed him from Exeter um, for Brentford. He, only Jared Bowen and um, Mitrovic have scored more goals in the Championship than Watkins, but you're looking at twenty million pounds for him. She- Sheffield United, I know, are quite keen. They're going to have to spend that type of money if they want to get him. I mean, they've already spent twenty million on McBurney, who does, doesn't play m- many games for him. He certainly doesn't start many games. The fact that they're prepared to go and spend twenty million in January because they've spent a lot in the summer as well. Does that not worry you a little bit? You're saying tw- like twenty million's out of reach for Villa, and like you say, it could be the difference between going down and, and staying up. Is twenty million in this day and age not a calculated gamble? Yeah, I mean, you, you can look at it like that, but it's just for the message from, that I'm getting from everybody I speak to close to Villa is that they is that money isn't available. That that you know we, we need to get we need to get past this conversation because they're, they're not going to be doing it. Um, Al- Alfredo Morales would would have been a decent would have been a decent striker for somebody, but he's going to be 25 million plus as well. You know, there's there's no suggestion that that Villa are even in for him. He's just a striker that that he's that he's doing well at the moment. Um, and would appeal. I was led to believe that Kalichi Ian Acho potentially might have been moving out of Leicester before this recent run yeah. of um, of games. Again, no suggestion that Villa were necessarily in for him, but he might have been somebody that would have attracted their interest had he been offered to them in January at a time where Villa needed the striker. Um, I don't think Villa will be doing any business early in the window. I think they'll leave it quite towards the late, the final few weeks of the of January. Um, and as I said, yeah, just I think two players maybe. One that always comes up, well, it has certainly been coming up ever since we've been back back in the Premier League. Is a man who did very very well for us, not hit the heights at Palace at all. Christian Benteke on loan. I see it as a pipe dream. I would actually quite fancy him myself, but I see it as a pipe dream because I just don't think Palace are going to just give us Benteke on loan unless they were to get a striker in, perhaps. So sometimes you do get that domino effect, don't you, in January? You're relying on someone else to make a move for player A for you to get player B in, and it, and it can work like that, can't it? 
Yeah, definitely. I think Palace are, Palace are just a little bit short on goals themselves, aren't they? They rely quite heavily on, on Zaha. I know Benteke's been playing the last few games and hasn't had much joy. Uh, his goal-scoring record for, for Palace is nothing short of atrocious. It's really it? bad in, in recent years. It really is bad. And to th- I mean, to think when he was at Villa, he Christian Benteke could have gone to any team in the world yeah. when he was at Aston Villa. Couldn't yeah, he? He yeah we've said it be- before. Yeah. He was one of the best strikers in, in, in the world at the time. You know, I remember Tim Sherwood saying as much. Um, he he could have gone anywhere. Uh, his career's gone down the pan slightly. Um, interesting what you say about him potentially coming back to Villa. What, what whether he would fit in if he, if he did come back? To me, he'd score goals because we put a lot of crosses in, and it, Palace don't do that, and that's why he doesn't score for, for Palace because at Townsend and Zahar, pretty much that, that they cut him when they're on the wings and have a shot, or Zahar jinx a hundred times. But he's a very good player. Don't get me wrong, but. Benteke is someone who's built on, on early crosses coming into the box. That, that's where he, he does his business and that, that doesn't happen for Palace. So I think he'd be a good fit for Villa, especially as you say, if we're not going to spend any money and we can get him in on loan. But then that relies on Palace going out and spending some money on perhaps someone like Mitrovic f- f- from Fulham for them to be able to let him go. And uh, it's just not going to happen, is it? But he's someone I think could be effective for us still. Yeah, it's 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 hard to see that scenario unfolding. I mean, it'd be it'd be good to see. I'd I'd, I'd agree with you actually. I'd like to see Benteke back at Villa because I think he he. I mean, the fans loved him, didn't he? Would give a, him a lift. Yeah, I think it would. I think being back at Villa Park might might help him actually. Um, I just think for it to work, it's just, it's just there's so many variables that have to happen. Crystal Palace have got Sawlath away, scoring loads of goals, but they can't get him back. There's no recall option. That might have been an option for them if if. Yeah. Um, Okay, if they, if they was to get another striker potentially, but would Roy Hodgson want to give a striker to an opponent to uh, you know a rival to strengthen them? Do you think Palace are safe now though? That that's the only the only tipping point there. I think they're they're in a they're in a different category to Villa, yeah. But I think they could still be potentially dragged into it. Um, okay, they got a lot of points on the board, but we've seen Crystal Palace over the years, aren't they? They're a, a team yeah. that notoriously go on really bad runs. So if if that happens, that could they could be dragged back into it. Don't get me wrong, I don't for one minute think they're going to go down, but we've seen stranger things happen. Yeah, it's interesting, but I think we, we can definitely agree we need a striker. Definitely. And one thing that could allow us to, to spend a little bit of money, Greg, would be if we, we could offload someone who was perhaps... I mean, I don't think anyone's surplus to requirements at Villa at the moment. We haven't got the biggest squad in, in the world, but if we could raise funds in terms of getting rid of wages getting wages off the, off the books do you think we'll be active in the terms of selling yeah i think for example if 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 uh, a decent offer came in for jonathan codger then villa wouldn't stand in his way um and and that they would then use that money and potentially reinvest it in even in before we got someone in because what what if we let codger go and then something fell through we're then even shorter yeah. than we already are yeah forgive me i, I think if it's if, if they know they're going to get somebody in they, they yeah. would never leave themselves even shorter because they've only got three yeah. strikers already but if they if they definitely knew that a deal would be happening then yeah you know that they, they would balance that out um i i, I do believe codger will stay until the end of the season though he's he's, he's on good money at Villa and we'll, we'll probably want to see out his contract. Um, there aren't too many other valuable assets really that could that could generate big amounts of money aren't there. I, I know that Blackburn was sniffing, a, sniffing around Henry Lansbury. I, I think Middlesbrough potentially might even be interested as well. But then they're not going to get they're not going to get a big fee for him if he goes. Uh, and again, would would he want to leave when he's on a decent contract at Villa and dropping back down into the Championship? Okay, get regular football, but no way he's going to get the money he's on at Villa. Um, 
Lovra Kalinic might might command a, a, a relatively reasonable transfer fee. We spent six seven million on him, didn't we? But he's done nothing. Seven point five million in total, yeah, on on him, and it just just hasn't worked for him. It's been a nightmare. Twelve months, uh, his form's deteriorated. He struggled for the Croatian national team as well. Um, lost his place now, and yeah, I think Villa will be looking to move him on uh, with Jed Steer returning and and Matthias Arkic excelling at. Um, Livingston. Livingston, yeah. Then they've got plenty of backup in in that in that department. So Kalinic will probably look to be moved on. It's mad, isn't it, to think he was Dean Smith's first signing? And I know that's it's <laughs> just not worked, has it? It doesn't smack of a, a Dean Smith signing to me. That that one that that that's, that smells of a Jesus purchase for me. Really, Kalinic, and I think the first chance Dean got to to remove him from the team after injury, he kept faith with Steer, and he, I just don't really get what we ever saw in him, to be honest, because. You look at the other keepers, they're all fairly decent with the ball at their feet, good shot stoppers, they can come out and, and get crosses and Kalinic just looked a bag of nerves to me. Croatia international just, as well. Yeah, it just it never just didn't really work for him, did it? I mean that 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 game against West Brom killed him really when he when he got lobbed and just never recovered from yeah. that. Um Interestingly, though, if you remember, Remy Gard tried to sign. Yeah, he's been tried to sign. He's one of them players that was always linked with Villa, isn't he? And then yeah. eventually makes the move. Yeah, so it was it was almost like written in the stars that he was going to sign, and just a shame that it never never worked out for him. I I, I can't see a way back for him now. Jet Jet uh, Nyland shown that he's a, a very very reliable backup. Jed Steer was brilliant last season, so they've got three very strong goalkeepers in Heaton, Nyland and Steer. So if they if they can get a decent offer for Kalinic, I think they'll move him on. That might free up some funds potentially. Do you think he's going to end up being one of them ones that we end up giving away for nothing, as has happened so many times in the past to Villa? <sighs> I'd like, I'd hope not. I'd like to think they could get something back for him. I mean, there's been too many occasions like that, haven't yeah. they? Tish Bowler, um, to, to name one, you know, was signed for five million and, and let go for, a, for 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 nothing. McCormack. Yeah, the, I mean, we, we we could talk here all day. We could <laughs> we really could a different <laughs> podcast for this one, but um, let's hope that isn't the case. Well, so staying topical now with transfers, as this is the transfer special, there was a great, interesting piece earlier on last week, about, about Deli Alley nearly joining Villa. I don't know whether you saw that, Greg, uh, David Ornstein piece about how close Deli Alley was to joining Villa. If, if you are subscribed to The Athletic, then make sure you go and check that check that one out because it's, it's a really interesting read. And Villa very, very close to getting someone who's probably going to end up being a, a world-class player or has been near being a world-class player, certainly at certain points in his career so far. But it got us thinking, there's, there's actually been quite a lot of near misses over the years, there's always those players as well that Villa are linked with every transfer window. Like you get the rumours, are oh, Jermaine Defoe's in at the Belfry. I've, <laughs> se- I've seen him there. I mean, Jermaine Defoe's been in the Belfry for the last 15 years. <laughs> I think waiting to, waiting to sign <laughs> for Villa. But what, what are your memories of people who nearly joined the club, Greg? Yeah, there's been quite a few, hasn't there, over recent years? Obviously, working close to the club, I, I've heard, heard of a few over the years. Some of the more recent ones, I remember uh, I remember Emmanuel Adebayor when he was... When when Tim Sherwood is in charge, I mean that that came so close that and and you know that could have been a a real a real game changer. He was Benteke's replacement, wasn't he? Or yeah. supposed to be? And it never happened. Yeah, that that could have been a real game changer. He was very close. Um, Kieran Trippier, another one as well that Tim Sherwood wanted. Who was who was also very close. I think he was at Burnley at the time. Is that when he went to Spurs? Yeah, and then went to Tottenham. Yeah, but um, the the one that um, David Ornstein mentioned, Deli Alla. Uh, at that same time, there was also Lewis Holtby and uh, Musa Sissoko as well. Paul, okay. Paul Lambert wanted to get both of those in, but they were very close. Um, That's why your Julio piece earlier on in the season was interesting because he was talking about three or four players that he was 
definitely going to get in that would have completely changed the landscape for Villa. Johan Kaboy, for one, been one of my favourite players in the Premier League over the, over the last decade, Kaboy. It's weird how you can come so close to things. Like, I'm sure I've seen a picture of Adebayor with a Villa shirt on, on the pitch and it, it didn't look doctored to me. Like, I, I have seen that, that photo. So, to think that he didn't end up signing for what for whatever reason. But there's so many different things that can happen with transfers. I've, I've heard stories of, like, Carlos Sanchez and 15 members of his family staying in a hotel, like, all making demands on Villa and Villa struggled to get the transfer over the line. Like, there are so many moving pieces. So, there's probably hundreds of near misses over the years, isn't there? Oh yeah, I mean, if look, if you speak to agents or managers or you know representatives, other representatives of players, they will tell you hundreds and thousands, I suppose, even of stories. Um, you know, w- w- this we're just scratching the surface here, yeah. but um, yeah, I mean, the, the the one you mentioned there with Carlos Sanchez with the, with his fifteen agents. I mean, the, Jonathan Codger was quite similar. That at the, at the time, uh, Roberto Di Matteo was in charge and. I think it was um, the, the negotiations were going on in well at really early into the morning, three or four o'clock in, into the morning. Villa were desperate for a striker. Uh, Diego Roland from from Bordeaux oh was, yeah. was was a player who Villa were really close to getting. They almost got him on the plane to come over to Villa, um, but decided decided he was at Bordeaux at the time. Uh, they decided on Jonathan Codger and. His representatives were were calling the shots and everything. That they, they, they Villa Villa lost count of how many representatives he had, and it was just a um, a, cr- a crazy meeting going on in, in at Bodymore Heath into the early hours of the morning. But they eventually got the deal done. And, and to be fair to Kodju, he, he was brilliant, wasn't he, for that yeah, first season? season. Um, but yeah, the, 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 so many so many near misses over the years. The, the, the Julio one, Kabai would have been another game changer, I think. Cahill back as well. I mean, yeah, I mentioned in the piece Gary Cahill. It was somebody who um, uh, Julio had gone to meet his parents and, and discuss the potential of, of of him moving, coming back to Villa. Javinho and Charlie Adam were two others. Whether they would have changed or, or improved mm. Villa, I don't know. I mean, Javinho might have done a job at the time. Charlie Adam, I suppose, went to Liverpool and his career d- slightly deteriorated yeah. from them, but. You never know, do you? A different situation. He might have. He was brilliant for Blackpool, wasn't he? So he mm. he, he might have. He might have changed the game for Villa. Um, yeah, there's a lot over the years. I think you got some more high-profile ones, haven't you? Dan? Yeah, John Gregory had a, had a couple. I think probably the most famous name is for, for Villa over the years is the '98 '99 season when when we were top of the league and John Gregory had uh, looked like he was going to get Janino in. So let, let's hear what John has to say about that transfer tale. Well, Janino actually was was sat in our office. Uh, he he actually chartered himself a plane uh, I went and picked him up from Birmingham Airport I literally went on the runway and picked him up picked him up he got out the back of this little two four four seat probably a four seater he got out of this little four seater plane that he chartered himself to fly over and I took him down to Villa Park met the chairman uh, sat and talked with the chairman and uh, Madrid owed him a few quid and uh he, he was going to sign for us if Madrid gave him the money. Uh, they owed him quite a substantial amount of money, which he was trying to get back off them. And um, if they'd have given him the money, he'd have come. But uh, they wouldn't. And during the, the course of that particular conversation that afternoon, uh, Madrid actually sort of said to us, well, if you pay the money, we will allow him to come to Aston Villa. So we were going to have to pay him a substantial amount of money that Madrid owed him, which of course, you know, we refused to do on the day. Um, but he was there, he sat with us and um, he was, 
very excited about coming to our club. I think he would have been a particularly good signing for us at that particular time, but it didn't, it didn't happen. Um, he flew back and uh, that was it. It, it kind of was, was, was finished that particular day because it was a huge amount. I mean, not only did we have to pay a transfer fee, but we also had to pay almost like the transfer fee again um, to settle up with him financially. But um, really, it was Madrid's problem, not ours. Um, so, so that didn't happen. And Shearer, um, Shearer, there was, it was nowhere, nowhere near as close as the Janino thing, but there was at one particular stage, we thought that uh, things were not going very well for him at Newcastle and there was a chance of, of us getting him. Um, Freddie Shepard was the owner, I think, at the time. And through various people that I knew, uh, we kind of got through to Freddie and sort of showed some interest in bringing him. Um, I would have loved to have had him at Villa Park, but um, as things turned out, things changed at Newcastle. Sir Bobby Robson came in as manager and uh, immediately Alan was, um, was back in favour and uh, that's how it stayed and he obviously went on and finished his career there. Greg Janinia, he would have been some sign at the time, wouldn't he? Oh, what a player he was. A little magician. I was only a schoolboy at the time but I remember watching him and he was, uh, oh, he was fantastic, he lit up the Premier League, didn't he? He was, was brilliant for... Um, uh, for Middlesbrough, would have been great to have seen him in the Midlands. Yeah, yeah, I think Gregory had a, had, a, had a few. He talks about Alan Shearer there as well. Obviously, Bobby Robson came in and, and scuppered that day. I think it was a season as well when Muzzy was quite hot property, and John Gregory really, really wanted him and he really, really pushed for him. But Doug Ellis, he didn't get those purse strings loosened, and, and he wouldn't let John sign him. And I think in the end, that was the beginning of the end for John Gregory. He ended up leaving shortly after that. And Robbie Kane's another one that John Gregory gets asked about all the time, isn't he? John didn't want to pay the, the extra 500k and then Robbie Keane goes on to be a Premier League icon and then a decade later he, he ends up at Villa on, on loan on a little sabbatical from the US I think it was at the time. Oh he was brilliant, loved watching loved watching Keane, he always had a, he just always scored didn't he? Just he always, always had a cartwheel in him as well. Always seemed to be scoring, that cartwheel was everywhere every time I turned on match of the day yeah. that cartwheel was going on. Um, yeah a, a, a great player and, and did very well for Villa during his short little, short little period um, and uh, Alex McLeish, wasn't it? Yeah. Nice little segue from Robbie Keane, actually, because the, the next thing on the agenda was to talk about previous January signings, some, some good, some bad. And uh, Robbie Keane was a great signing in January, wasn't he? Yeah, he did, did very well for, for Villa at the time. He came in, I think, was he, was he, did he get three goals in six Two appearances? or three, was yeah. He, yeah, yeah three, he scored three. two against Wolves, one against Newcastle, yeah. Yeah, yeah, three, three and six, yeah. But for Alex McLeish, who was... Villa was struggling at the time a little bit. I think bit we only scored three goals after he left, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, shame he couldn't have stuck around for a little bit longer. Would have been interesting to to see how well he would have done. And just if they'd have got him a couple of years earlier, oh. I mean, oh, imagine how imagine how good that would have been. Um, but yeah, brilliant player. I think he was actually only played six games. It was probably in the mix for player of the season. It was such a dreadful and awful and turgid season. I think he was probably pretty close to, to that award. Now, one that always stands out for me, and it's I, I put a tweet out earlier asking... For, uh, for feedback on January transfer signings for Villa in Darren Bent, club record signing at, at the time. That was a biggie, wasn't it? Yeah, Villa needed it at the time. Um, they were they were due to lo- lose Ashley Young, weren't they, at the end of, at the end yeah. of that season. Um, and, and I think they kind of knew that he was going. So they needed to make a real statement in, the, in January. And, and signing Darren Bent, he, he, he was... <laughs> 
I can remember going to Villa Park and the the Villa press team had had compiled like a, a dossier on him with all these all these brilliant stats, and he was like one of the he was one of the most um, prolific English goal scorers at the time. Yeah. I can't remember the exact figures, but Villa were getting a, an elite striker at the time, weren't they? You know, he was he was he red was, hot at that point. He was, wasn't he? Yeah, and and you know, he was gonna he was supposed to take Villa onto the next level. I thought I th- you know, we we both know he did he did very well for Villa, um, scored a lot of goals, but just it it didn't work towards the end, did it? When Paul Lambert came injury in, slowed him down a little bit. He lost a yard of pace, perhaps, yeah. but that initial impact. I mean, that's what we need now, isn't it? We need that that kind of signing to exactly. come in and score eight to ten goals to, to make sure we stay in the Premier League and that was what Darren Bent did uh, exactly at that, that time, isn't it? Yeah, because I mean if you think back to that period, Villa were Villa were relegation threatened at that time yeah. as well. You know, it was a real a real, real concern. I don't period. remember the last time we were in the Premier League and not re- relegation threatened to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah. Um no, I know. Look if if Villa could go and do that type of business this um next month, I mean it, it, the equivalent of that's the equivalent of going buying someone like I don't know. It's like buying someone like Callum Wilson, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, That's probably. The equivalent. Yeah, I mean the money now has just gone to a completely different level. I mean that that was big money at the time. I think Huge, it, with add-ons, yeah. it was twenty-four million or something. Yeah. But Benton, that was comfortably Villa, Villa's record transfer yeah. at the time. But now to get someone like that now would cost you sixty, seventy million. That's yeah, probably exactly. what Wilson would go for. And I think that fits into what you were saying earlier as to just why it's so hard to get a proven goal scorer in. Another famous story here at January is when we signed Emil Hesker and Martin O'Neill apparently was offered Falcao for for about three and a half million, I think the same price, but good old Martin. He knew he knew what he wanted, didn't he? He liked Hesker and he went for Hesker rather rather than Falcao. That, that, that's always a story that gets bandied around. Yeah, I've I've uh, I've written about that a few times. <laughs> it's a story that gets shared. Uh, I think every January, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, that would when we talk about game changes, but that 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 would have been, wouldn't it? Uh, Falcao, fantastic striker, never really worked for him in England at Man United and Chelsea. But if if Villa had signed him at that point, yeah, wow, imagine what imagine what could have happened. But. Heskey did all right for Villa, didn't he? I, I, I actually liked Heskey. He was never going to give you double figures in goals, but I, I liked what he was about and he was actually a good signing for us, I thought. We're going to finish, as ever, with the Villa vote and obviously we're going to keep it topical. We're going to keep it on trend. January transfer windows. Best ever signing Villa have made in the January transfer window. I'm going to go quite recent and I'll say either Tyrone Mings or Darren Bent. I think Darren Bent, when he came in and kept the club up really with his goals, Uh, Tyrone Mings last season, Villa, Villa's defence was so shaky and leaky. They were conceding goals left, right and centre. He came in, steadied the ship. you could probably say this about a few players, but without him, I don't think Villa would have got promoted. No, no, I agree with you. You weren't tempted to plump for Yacouba Silla or Simon Dawkins, that, that double deal in January under Lambert? Wow, there's been some bad ones, haven't yeah. there? You mentioned that. <laughs> wow. I remember once, actually, I, I, Simon Dawkins had just arrived on loan, and literally no one had ever heard of him like from, from Spurs. I don't think he'd ever played for him. And I remember Gareth Bale did a Q&A on Twitter, so I just chucked him a tweet saying, what, what do you think of Simon Dawkins? And he, Gareth Bale replied saying, he's a great player, he'll do well at Villa. I don't think he's ever been seen again. I don't know. I couldn't tell you what Simon I Dawkins is doing. I don't know now. where he is now. No. I'm, I'm going to plump for uh, Solana. 03 04 season. We had, didn't have a right winger at the club at the time. Seems to be a familiar pattern for Villa not having players in a certain position. But Lee Hendry was playing right midfield pretty much the whole of the first half of, of that season. And we weren't doing great. But then Solana came in. 
And we went on an incredible run and ended up finishing top six. And we weren't actually far off top four. He came in, tur- turned us round a little bit and got us up towards the upper echelons of the league. So thanks as ever to Greg for joining me today. I really, really enjoyed a little trip down memory lane and also looking at what Villa might do in January. Thanks, Dan, and happy Christmas to you all. Happy Christmas, Scrooge. So that was 1874, a weekly podcast dedicated to Aston Villa Football Club. It's one of 11 shows released by The Athletic, including the Ornstein and Chapman show. To download that and much more, go to theathletic.com forward slash villapod and you'll get a nice little 40% discount. We'll return with 1874 next week, maybe with a little bit more January transfer gossip as well. Hope you've had a great Christmas. Up the villa.